Welcome to Every Step Podcast. I'm Christina Weston. And I'm Judith Beck. Every Step is the podcast where career and life meet. With a new guest every episode, we explore the gutsy issues affecting everyone in the workplace. In this episode, we are joined by Ellie Johnson, where we chat about truth and deception. Welcome, Ellie. It's, you know, it's really great to have you here. Like, I've been dying to have you um, on the session for such a long time because it's just great to catch up. And today we're going to talk about uncovering deception and influencing truthfulness. And, um, you know, all of us have had experience with deception and going, why didn't we do this? And why didn't we do that? So I want to, I want to kick it off with everyone sort of um, thinking about one thing where you thought you were being told the truth, but you found out you were deceived and what you learned from it. So, you know, keep company names out of it, keep people's names <laughs> out of it. You know, like that one time that really made an impact on you when you thought, whoa, I didn't see that one coming. Ali, um, we'll start with you. Thanks. <laughs> I've got a couple of big ones and, and it's even embarrassing to tell stories like this because I'm supposed to be a truth guru, if for want of a better term, and I've been working in this space of truth and lies and human behaviour for over 20 years. So when I kind of trip get tripped up, as we all do, then I have kind of this added level of embarrassment and, you know, hit yourself in the head and and whatever. So I'm going to give you two quick ones without going into too much detail on either of them. But one was in relation to an investment money. And uh, it was a Ponzi scheme or similar to quite a few years ago. And I trusted, I believed, as did a, a girlfriend of mine. And we invested, we lost money. Looking back on it, all the warning signs were there. And I took a big lesson from that around uh, wanting, when you want to believe something so, so much. That's, then you that's all the, you so all the, true, that wanting to believe. Piece. Wanting to believe, the wanting yeah. to believe. And my second quick example is, is a, a relationship that's broke up last year and uh, he wasn't being completely truthful in relation to another woman. Now, I wanted to believe that he wasn't having anything to do with her anymore but all the signs were there, but I trusted like, no, 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 I believe, I believe, but then it unraveled. So, you know, that whole, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about mm-hmm. signs of deception. There can be signs there, but that that wanting to believe something because it's so important in some way, shape or form in your life can unravel all your, you know, spidey senses and ability to keep yourself safe. Yeah, that is, that is so, so, you know so about- true. Um, mine is a mine is a business example and and I hear you say wanting to believe and we wanted to believe too so um my husband and I um have been in business for a number of years we're serial entrepreneurs and a number of years ago we built an application an app um it was the budget was substantial it was huge and we engaged an Australian organisation, we vetted them, we checked them with other parties, other big-named organisations also had shortlisted them. So we thought, gee, their tech experience is better than ours. They've got more domain experience than we do. We, we've got enough, but we're not deep, deep into, into tech. We know enough to be dangerous, but we don't know enough to write code. Mm-hmm. And the the issue was is these guys 
these guys screwed us right royally. We lost, I can't tell you how much money, um, a lot of money, and we kept believing them. We kept believing them because, one, we wanted to. They were very, very good salespeople. They did a really good job on the upfront, and there were red flags. We didn't listen to our gut. Um, we wanted to believe and we we thought we had validation from others that had domain experience. And um, anyway, the guys ended up phoenixing. Um, there was nothing to pursue. We yeah we had to start from scratch. It was a um, the probably one of the most disgustingly stressful periods in in my life, and I was so angry that we'd been done over because yeah. um, we tend to take. I know we want to talk about this as well. We tend to believe people uh, and until they show us cause not to. Um, but I know there are other people that are at the other spectrum. You've got to prove to me that. I can trust you, but we sit in the camp of I'm going to trust you until you show me otherwise. But, gee, there was that embarrassment and anger and shame that we had been done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think the thing is is that and, and like, I, there's, I have examples, <laughs> 25 years um, uh, of examples. <laughs> I think the one thing that stands out for me is that, um when you let emotion make your decision without um, without the the backup, without the um, due diligence, it will come back and bite you. So whether or not you're interviewing somebody or you're doing a business deal with someone, um, if you go into that business deal um, thinking, love these people, they're great, and then they say to you, oh, well, here, this person's part of the team and they're great and you rely on what they said because you think they're okay and you don't do your due diligence. Whenever I whenever I have let emotion get in the way, it has bit me so hard. <laughs> and when you wanted to get the deal done, that's another, it's back to what Ellie was talking about. Yeah, um, you trust. Like trust. You, you wanted it, you wanted to trust them because you wanted to do that deal. You wanted to do the deal, but you and you and you had faith, and you thought, okay, but there's probably a little gut feeling telling you maybe not. But you know this, yeah. Um, you got to do the the due diligence. You've got to in any transaction. You the the first step is, yep, I like them. Yep, we get together, we connect. But I want to double check and make sure because if you don't do that, you'll it will come back. Yeah, particularly when it's a, a high stake situation. So, you know, if you're at the fruit and vegetable shop and you're asking how how old are the apples, you know, like does it really matter if they if they tell you that they're are they freshly picked or they're, you know, it doesn't really matter. It could, I guess, if from a food poisoning point of view, if we're talking food, but when we're investing money or when we're making those big decisions as to you know who to who to um, who to trust in business, um, absolutely you need to do that. But keep in mind that humans have what's called a truth default. And Timothy Levine, Professor Tim Timothy Levine, has done a lot of research on this. He's got a good book called Duped for those people that are into this. And uh, he talks about the truth default and the truth default theory. And we're wired to trust. We're wired to believe basically, like as as, as gen generalising in the human population. But we have to be because can you imagine going through life mm -hmm. and going through each day not believing anything that anyone said? 
you know, you'd be living every, on adrenaline. You would be looking over your shoulder the entire time, sick in the gut the entire time. You're going, you know, to a to a, a dinner party or a networking event. If you if you didn't have your truth to fault, you couldn't have conversations with people because you would be thinking that's not true or I don't believe that. So we as humans have to have that truth to fault to believe most of what comes to us. And actually, most of what comes to us is the truth. So it does serve us well, but where it where we get tripped up is is when we we're not aware of the times that we are being duped, and you know, and it can cost us heartache, it can cost us time, it can cost us money, um, whether that's recruiting somebody, dating somebody, investing, or whatever it is. So in those high ticket, high stake situations, you definitely need to be aware of your truth default or your trust default, and and then think, what do I need to do to 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 be more cautious and keep myself safe. And so don't rationalize the decision. Don't rationalize your decision because you like, see people in recruiting over the years, I'd had clients who would go, um, you know, I don't know what happened to, you know, uh, to that, per- to that person. They didn't last long. I need to, I need to, I need to hire someone. Then I'd start asking them questions and they start beating themselves up because they made a bad hire. And now they were in a position they had to hire someone new. And I'd say, Hey, if someone sets out to deceive you, and, and, you know, if they set out to deceive you, there's nothing you can do or say to, to get around that, really, if you followed all the processes properly, if you interviewed them, did their reference checks and did all that, then it then if they set out to deceive you, well, you've done everything. But if you cut something out of that process, like reference checks, <laughs> which a lot of which I'm hearing that a lot of companies are cutting out reference checks these days. Oh, don't get me started. Yeah, you do a lot of work. In- say on this <laughs> yeah you do a lot of work in interview in interview techniques I'd love to hear your your perspective on what Judith's just been right. sharing so we've we got like three hours but I do I, for the last 20 years I have been training people in interviewing skills whether that's recruitment interviews or security-based interviews uh, vetting interviews for Department of Defense and other government organizations where they need to make the high-stake decisions about somebody's suitability for clearances and access to top secret information and all of that sort of stuff so Judith when you said if someone sets out to deceive you, there's nothing you can do, I would say, hmm, yes and no. Um, and yes, we need to put all those steps into place. But what what a lot of people do is focus on if they're going to if they're going to have their spidey senses on with their detection deception, they're, they're looking for lies. But what have you done to influence for truth? What have you done? I always flip interviewers back like, okay, well, we'll look at the live spotting because that's lots of fun and it's very sexy and there's lots of TV shows about it. But how, what are you doing to create a truth-telling environment? What are you doing to make it safer for somebody to tell the truth, even if the truth is against their own self-interest? Now, that's a big question and there's a big, long answer that we won't be able to cover today to it because there's so many aspects to it. But in my experience of training thousands of people, very, very few, very small percentage actually ever consider that and and can give me an answer as to what they're actually physically doing to increase the likelihood that somebody will tell you the truth. And that applies in dating, that applies in your relationship, that applies in all human interactions. In the medical medical sector, Judith and I were talking before we came on to record the program around um, would we tell the truth to a doctor about how much wine we drink every night? Yeah, Christina, that's a great example. Like they're, they're things that just um, we justify and we rationalise, we minimise, 
And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I don't tell lies. I'm a really honest person. But if I mapped out, you know, a month of your life, a year of your life, I would find it absolutely scattered with all these micro lies. But you wouldn't have logged them as as deception. So example there, the doctor says, you know, how much have you been drinking? You're like, oh, look, just maybe, you know, a glass a week or whatever. When you've oh, been a, a, bottle, <laughs> a bottle of night. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's a lot there. So, you know, what can the doctor do to increase the likelihood that you're going to tell the truth? Well, that depends on the relationship too. That depends on um, you know, there's factors that will limit that because in in the GP sense, it's kind of rapid fire, question, answer, question, answer, um, prescribe something. But in a lot of cases, you do have a time to, to build a truth-telling environment. And it's also our willingness to want to tell the truth or our willingness to change, to actually say, well, actually, my husband and I share a bottle of wine most nights, if not every night. And what's the doctor going to do with that information? Like, how are you going to influence somebody to tell the truth in the doctor's environment or even, you know, work environment? How do we encourage people, as you were saying earlier, uh, how do we encourage a truth-telling environment? Yeah. I think you've got to also make them feel, I remember when I was when I had my search firm and um, the people uh, that I would be interviewing, and most of them would be from a distribution background, but they'd also be senior executives. And they're so used to just having, you know, uh, interviews and they know exactly what they say. They, you know, they've done all their research too. And my my sort of strategy always was to break the barriers down first, make them feel comfortable, mm-hmm. have a chit chat, do the, you know, I had like a stage one, stage two, and stage three interview process. And stage one was always about um, getting them to talk normally. Like, you know, getting them to, you know, find out about the person and talk to that person and get them to go thinking that they're talking to a friend and then not have the serious behavioral type interview questions just thrown at them right away. That would be at a later stage. And um, and that I found work because otherwise they just give you stock standard answers. They tell you what they, you want to hear and that won't do anybody. Everybody preps for interviews now. I mean, if, if you're going for a serious job, you would have had friends or you would have written out questions and you would have rehearsed and and had your, your responses organised. You'd be ready. 100%. And I think, Judith, when you and I first met years and years and years ago and we, we were talking about recruitment and interviews and questions and I think I fell in love with you then because I was so aligned with what you were saying and that whole rapport building, rapport building in that context is not like, hey, look at that weather. Gee, it's hot, isn't it? How have you been coping with the heat? Yeah, good. How about you? Yeah, good. How, what did you do for Christmas? Oh, not much. How about you? Not much. Okay, let's get into the interview. So could you tell me a time where you uh, were under pressure to perform and you blah, 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 blah. It's like, what the? Yeah. Um, and, you know, with all due respect to interviewers, there's more to it there's than that. And you can get a better result and you can put your hand on heart saying, I did the best job that I could possibly do when you've got a whole list of skills and awareness under your, your belt. Otherwise, it's just it's just box ticking and it's it's putting bums on seats. You can go. Put- what should we be doing? I mean, Judith shared some of what she does from an expert's perspective. What what should we be doing? Well, Judith is an expert and she's been doing it for a long time. And that first bit that she's talking about in breaking down the barriers and building rapport and getting to know that person as a person, we can ask questions, we can get to questions, but 
talk to the person, like get the human to human contact going yeah. and, and make them feel safe in that environment. Talk about the job, talk about the company, talk about what lights them up, talk about, you know, just get to know the person because you can teach some skills, but you also want to make sure, or, you know, priority is to make sure that that person is a good fit for that organization, for that role, for that team. And you're not going to find that out through those, you know, robot questions as well. But creating that truth-telling environment, that's the first step of that is actually building rapport. Because if I like you and I trust you and I feel safe with you that you're not going to ridicule me or laugh at me or cut me off or interrupt me or, or those tiny little one percenters, they all contribute to me feeling more safe to be truthful with you. You've got to do some other things too, but all of those in the initial stages absolutely help. And then if you're talking about uh, reference checks if you if you conduct good reference checks which you should if you're in recruitment or any other place where you're conducting interviews but again another conversation for another day because it is somewhere that, that's an area that gets shortcutted but mention that in in the rapport building stages that uh, you know, we do conduct really thorough reference checks. That's part of our procedure here. Now, you think about it, if somebody was planning to, to be deceptive, all those little things, you're planting seeds in their head and you're trying to influence them toward being more truthful. So they still get to choose. You can't make someone tell you the truth. They, they need to feel safe and they need to want to. But all these little things that you do in the initial stages of priming somebody for truthfulness, they can make a difference. So um, yes. yeah, there's a whole list of True. You know, you've got to have a good rapport with the person that you're doing the reference with as well, because you want them to tell you the, you know, I, I one of the questions I always say is, um, okay, if you had the job that this person was in right now, um, again, would you hire them back in exactly the same position that you hired them in because we're assuming now they're gone, right? And they've given this person as a referee and, the, and and they were, let's say they were a business development manager, a state manager. So you go to the person and you say, would you hire this person in the exact same position as state manager? If they hesitate and they go, um, I'd go, why are you hesitating? <laughs> I go, was there an issue? And then I get to go because but what the reaction you want is, oh, absolutely. They were fantastic. We were we hated to see them go. But if they're going, a lot of people will say, oh, well, it depends on the position. Yes, you know, that's right. Kind of like, okay, I know what you're trying to say. <laughs> and, and something I tell my uh, interview skills students is the brain answers truthfully before the mouth decides what it's going to say. So when you ask that question of somebody, would you hire that person again? Now their brain has already come, they already answered it within, you know, a microsecond of the question, the answer is there. And if the answer is no friggin' way, that's what the brain says. But then the, he needs to think, he, she needs to think, hang on. How do I, I politically correctly I articulate? I don't want to hurt the person, blah, 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 blah. Okay. What I'll say is now that's going to, that has to take, um, some time. So it doesn't matter what the question is. The brain will answer it truthfully first and then you switch into gear like what will I actually say. Having said that, a pause doesn't always equal deception, but it's interesting. It's so interesting. Further yeah. clarification. You got yeah. that. So what are they going to say next? Well, yes, oh. that's interesting because if somebody is somebody, if it's the person who, you, who you're asking is the kind of person that is considered then they are more likely to pause and it is not necessarily a sign of 
deception. So you need to understand who you're talking to, don't you? Yes. You need to clarify the red flags, right? You need to clarify. if that. To me, that was a red flag if they pause too long and and I'd want further clarification. It's kind of like a psych test. If a psych test comes out and says somebody's weak in this or weak in that, well, you don't take everything a psych test says and you use that psych test to um, speak to the referee to, to gather more information it's mm-hmm. kind of part of the information gathering mm-hmm. and um you know if they if someone says they wouldn't hire them back in that same position you gotta kind of ask why yes you, you, <laughs> must, you must follow that but also along the way if somebody tells you a hard truth you thank them for the honesty around yes. that yeah. then you're more likely to get honest in the in the next one so if somebody tells you that look you know i don't think i would hire them again that's that's hard for somebody to say, and and you can um, think about that in any aspect of life where you've asked somebody a question and and they've given you an answer. They're like, "Whoa, I didn't expect that." Thank them for that. Like, thank you for your honesty around that. That that I know that's perhaps not easy to say, but it does help. Um, it does you know help with my questions. Could I ask you another question? Could I ask you why? You know, just give me two reasons, perhaps that you wouldn't. Um, want to hire them back but you know just actually accept um, acknowledging that the truth can be hard and you can also at the start of interviews well in that that case we're talking about references you can thank someone for their honesty up front look I really appreciate your honesty in this matter uh, because I want to make sure that uh, Johnny is put in the right role uh, for him and that we hire the right people or we recommend the right people or whatever the case is so there's all these little tiny things that we can do to help to condition somebody to be more truthful Hey, what do you do when, okay, because now we're all doing Zooms, right? So we're not seeing them face to face. I can't see them shaking their legs or their hands or they're doing it. I, I can't see them doing that. So, and I haven't had to interview people in this new environment. So what have you noticed with this new environment as far as if you were interviewing something over Zoom, is there something you, you know, like are there red flags that you should you should um, look for? Um, they're, they're all the same red flags except as you say if we're face to face i can probably see your whole of body so if we're using body language intelligence to to read somebody we can only read (laughs) from here here up but also that we need to consider the other factors like what's happening behind them like my cat's over there is my cat distracting me so therefore i kind of look like that but you go aha she looked away therefore she must be lying (laughs) my cat is actually strangling a little porcupine at the ground (laughs) porcupine doorstop so that's what's happening for me (laughs) so you need to actually think about what else might be going on so you can you can probably misread things more easily when you're talking about reading people over a screen because you don't know what's happening around them you don't know if someone's waving you don't know if they're looking out the window Um, so keep that keep that in mind but we can you know, we think about verbal behavior, listening to the words that people use, nonverbal, their body language, their face, um, the paralinguistics, the tone, the pitch, the rate, the speed, the volume, inflections, pauses, ums, ahs, all of those come into consideration when we're analyzing behavior. So we can do that across Zoom or or Teams or or wherever, but we need to we need to kind of build in some other caution factors as well. And so sort of the hey, is Harry telling the truth? <laughs> 
Uh, see, I'm a Prince Harry fan, and and this is really interesting. I, I actually like these topics um, with Harry and Meghan and um, Johnny Depp and Amber and when all, all those come. And you watch people get so much into somebody's camp, like it's almost that they can fight. If you've got a different opinion to me, it's like no, 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 no. <laughs> and look, who knows if he's telling the truth on everything? I'm a fan, so That's my bi- my bias is I've got a halo, the halo effect helps me to see him as a truthful person that actually just wants to speak his truth and be heard and and make some changes to the way things are which his mother started and he wants to continue it um he you know that's just that's just I think I've landed closer to that but initially I got sucked in by the media by the negative publicity around the tabloids and I think that's the other factor is what voices are we listening to so when true. we're creating our opinions? And we're just talking about Harry, but let's let's bring that into a work context, mm-hmm. is, is what are the voices we're listening to to formulate our opinion? And yeah. are they valid voices or do they have a um, another purpose, another something else they're up to? You know, I kind of look at that and I think because I was on the I wasn't sort of on a team, but I was kind of leaning toward, you know, um, until I watched the Netflix thing Then I when I was watched the Netflix, I thought, oh, they seem all right. And, And but I thought to myself, sort of going, you try to put yourself in in their shoes as much as you can. And and I thought to myself, okay, well, first of all, Megan. They crucified her in the in the press more so than him, didn't they? And so what could she have done differently going into that unknown environment or whatever? So if I was Megan, what would I have done differently? No one really will know. But what I think where she went wrong, if someone can go wrong in a situation like that, is that treating that family as if you're going into a into a business because they are the firm, right? They call themselves the firm. So therefore she's going into this hierarchy and this, that, and everything where she's actually thinks she's going into a family and they're going to take care of me. But in reality, she's going into a hierarchy where there's people who were, you know. And so- people land in jobs all the time where they misplay the politics. Hey, I did that exactly. in the early part of my career. I was a rise, little rising star. I got a job in a in a large, in a like a boutique funds management organization. Amazing reputation of the company. I walked in. I so misread the politics. Oh my goodness, it was awful for me mm. because I did not I did not understand the culture I was walking into. And yeah. imagine doing that when you got cameras on you. <laughs> You're in the newspaper every single day. You're in ta- on social media, everything. Oh, so awful, awful, awful. It would awful. be horrible. But here's the thing. Here's the interesting thing with the hours. Uh, did you were you into the Johnny Depp and Amber? Uh, I was obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> so that because that just went that went longer, I think, than the than the Harry and Megan Megan thing. But like just allocate I know people that watched every minute of every second of everything about the Amber and and Johnny thing and over again they watched it again they watched it again and all right I get it not judging but I what I sort of thought when it comes to because they were so like oh truth lies truth lies truth who's lying who's lying who's lying who's like oh she's a liar there oh that was bullshit there blah 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 like imagine if you spent that much time focusing on truth and lies and connection and human behavior and all those things on yourself and your own circle of influence 
around <laughs> instead of two people that you're never going to meet, yeah. that you're, you're judging and drawing conclusions that really don't matter what you think. It's trivial. It's all trivial. It is. And, and in our own backyard, a lot of us have got some stuff going on that if we could just be even a bit more truthful with ourselves, let alone in our relationships, you know, there's a lot of relationships that people are together, but they're not really happy. And the lack of honesty and truthfulness in those relationships. Or in is, jobs where they're not really jobs, happy. Jobs, yeah. You know, start of a new year and people people hating their jobs going, oh, God, here I go again, you know, wake up on Monday morning and say, <laughs> go into work, do the things like spend some time, that same amount of time that you might spend on Harry and, and Megan and whoever. Yeah, that's far more valuable spending time on reflection. And getting some help. If you can't do it by yourself, then get some help. Get a coach. Get a coach. Judith, your favourite favorite expression, get a coach. Get a coach. Get a mentor. Get a coach. Get a coach, get a mentor. Uh, and then that takes away the excuse of, like, I don't know what to do. It's like, okay, anyone that says to me, I don't know what to do, fantastic, let's do it together. There was a UK study that um, came up with surveying like 6,000 people, I think, and um, 18% of people thought it was necessary to lie on CV, their CV because they had to keep up with all the other people that were doing it. And in the study, 36%, I think it's 36% of people said it's uh, it's up to the employers to check. So they they believe, well, I can put anything and it's up to, it's your job, it's your responsibility to to check if it's true or not. And so they would have no no guilt or shame about doing it because it's your responsibility. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. You know, if if you if you are absolutely honest on your resume or absolutely honest on your LinkedIn profile, does that make you less marketable because okay. everybody's um is exaggerating lying? I guess it is. Um, you know, if everybody's exaggerating or or creating um, fake news, mm. then how how do you compete as an honest person? Mm. And yeah, that's it's it is hard. Is exaggerating lying? Well, yeah, because yeah. I went fishing and I got caught a fish and it was this big. You know, it's so. Yeah. It, I wasn't unfaithful. It was just a kiss. Yeah, that's it. And that's where it's hard. And that's that's where humans, that's how we've evolved to think, right, I have something that I want and how am I going to get it? And with that truth default theory, it, we, if truth can get us there to what we want, then we'll most likely, most of the time, most of the people will tell the truth because it's easier because it does sit better for for most of us. If truth will get me there, I'll tell you the truth. But if I if I decide that truth isn't going to get me there, that's when I hide the truth, I exaggerate, I lie, I make stuff up. I you know, there's so many different ways that I can do it. But you know, most of us are good people, and if truth can get us there, that's what we'll do. But we only lie because we realize or we believe. The truth won't get us that thing That's that right. we, we feel. We feel weak, or we feel less empowered, or yeah. like you said, we're not going to get the outcome. That's what we do every day is like, what do we? What do we want? And and how do I get it? So if I want the sale, is truth going to get me that sale? If I think you know, not, I think if they don't, I think in a work environment, and if you're going for a new job, 
or you're going for a promotion or whatever. Let's say you're going for a new job because you're an unknown entity then and and they're evaluating you. Um, you know, my experience is that they never wanted companies don't want people who are going to hit the ground running on everything. So they want someone who's probably a six out of 10 rather than an, an eight or nine out of 10, because an eight or nine out of 10 is probably not going to last in that role that long because they're going to lose their challenge. They're not going to be stretched. Candidates make the perception uh, misperception all the time thinking that they have to be something more than they aren't. So that, so, so if they go in there and if they talk honestly about what it is they can do, Mm-hmm. And show the passion about that they have for the for the role they're going for. Usually, employers will go. They haven't had that experience right now, but I believe them that they can do it because you know they've done their research. They've done you know they they might not be an expert in that particular area, but I think they've got the ability to um, come up to speed. And it's up to the candidate at that time to say you know what, I haven't got all the experience that you're asking me for that, but I believe I can come up to speed very quickly and convince that person that they do have, because I would always take a candidate who had passion and belief a million times over an arrogant candidate or, you know, who thought they were so good. They I've done that, been there, done that, um, you know, and then they were set in their ways. So and Judith, they- I think that's a really, really valuable insight that you've just shared because in this day and age of being insta-perfect, it's transferred to LinkedIn, it's transferred to resumes where we believe we have to be insta-perfect. And when we go for different jobs, we we rewrite our resume to be insta-perfect, to be perfect for that job. But what you've just shared now is I think a really, really valuable insight that employers are not looking for 100%. In fact, you won't get the job if you are 100%. <laughs> But it takes courage. So it's it's easy to say, uh, you know, employers don't want 100% and just tell them what you can do and be passionate. But a lot of people watching this would say, yeah, that's all good and well. But I, in an interview, I turn to water anyway. Like I, 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 I can barely put my words together. And you're now telling me that I should be more honest and tell them that I didn't do this and I haven't done this and I can't do this. Um, uh, haven't uh, I just talk myself out of a job? Yeah, yeah. Don't myself. say you can't do it. Don't say you can't do it. <laughs> say, I've never done that particular thing before, but I I know what is involved and I know that I can do it. I think that if you start talking about what you can't do too much, and look, look let's face it. It's all around language. Everybody's going to go. It's all around language. It's about having a truth-telling culture. It's back to you saying, Ellie, like a candidate can be truthful, but if the employer is looking for 100% because they're in insta-perfect land, then there's going to be a mismatch between a truth-teller and someone who wants to believe the marketing. But do you want that job? Do you want to take, do you want to um, go in and say, oh, stretch the truth and stretch this and that and then go and get the job and then all of a sudden you got to perform and you're out before your promotion probationary period's over because you didn't you weren't honest and open with them about what it is you can and can't do so their expectations were way too high and that's going to do more damage and mm-hmm. you know i think you know it kind of boils down to Anybody and everybody's at different levels, real. So people who are at the junior levels going in for their first job, they're going to be they're going to be nervous. They're going to be going to that interview at a different stage than somebody who's a state manager 
or a general manager or whatever. It's a whole different ballgame up, up there. And, you know, I think I think the key is, is that when you're going for an interview, if you're going in, you need to know, you need to have information and you need to have help. You need to have people like Ellie and Christina <laughs> and myself and mentors who are going, I'm going in for this interview. Can you help me? I, I Lots of times I've had, um, when when I was running a um, few years ago, a lot of our members, I'd have them come in and they were going for internal positions and we'd do mock interviews and they were mm-hmm. fairly senior people. And mm-hmm. we'd, go, we'd put them through an interview or we'd put them through, you know, some kind of just a practice. So nobody's a perfect interviewer. Mm-hmm. They're not. And they're, you know, and it's, you know, what is the, what's, I think what you're trying to say too, Ellie, is what, there's a there's a line there's you can stretch some things like oh yeah the confidence line right you can stretch some things but what are some things that on that position description that I need to be open and honest with them yeah I'm a leader <laughs> yeah I'm a great leader you know this you know that's a stretch right that's stretching if you're having yeah I'm a great I feel I'm a really good leader well you don't know because you haven't really done it yet but that's a confidence <laughs> thing but Yes, I'm a programmer. When you're not a programmer, mm. that's that can be an issue. Yeah, it's it's it gets grey. The the topics of truth and lies are not as black and white as some people think they are because there's grey areas and there's some people will argue that's okay and that's not, and the other people go that's okay and that's not. So yeah, just depends on the the topic and what you're trying to achieve. So, Ellie, if you were advising a young person today entering the work- workforce, what would you tell them about the best way to um, to be truthful and also the flip of that to identify deception? Like it comes in two parts really, doesn't it? Because it's it's how do you identify deception because we don't want to get caught out, we don't want to be embarrassed like we've all been embarrassed <laughs> over the years. Um, but it's also how do we... How do we create that truth-telling environment? And I'd love to have you back and talk about building truth-telling culture because I think that's a whole subject in itself. But just just some quick comments would be yeah, great. Yeah, there's, there's so much in there. So, I mean, the truth-telling culture for an organisation, for a team, is really, really vital because every manager, every leader would like to think that they understand what's happening with their team and that their teams are being truthful, that we're not having fake sickies, we're not having people going for other jobs, and, and then all of a sudden they your whole team leaves and all of that stuff. So that's a whole art to creating a truth-telling culture for a team and the organisation and also in your relationships, personal relationships, family relationships and so on. So that's a big topic. Um, but somebody entering the workforce, and I've got two daughters in, in their 20s, um, yeah, it starts with self-truth. I think that the, the topic of truth is like, wh- what do you want? Where are you going and why are you going there? What are you applying for? Why are you applying for that? And getting to know yourself, getting to know what it is you really want out of out of this step. It's not your whole of life. It's just this step. What do you want to do? Why do you want to do it? Are you selling yourself short? Are you kind of stepping on it this much where you could actually step this much? And get more money or get more rewards or get more, you know, satisfaction or more skills. So it starts with, you know, getting getting honest with yourself. And as we said before, if, if sometimes you can't do it by yourself and you need that mentor, you need that coach, it's the best money you'll ever spend is investing in, in, a, in a career coach or a life coach or a business coach in, in business senses. Um, 
But when if you're the interviewee going for a, a job or stepping into the workforce, then think about questions. And we didn't do much on questions today, but you know, questions are so, so powerful and understanding the the power of conscious questions. What do you need to find out? Don't just go into an interview and wait for them to ask you questions, question, answer, question, answer, question. It's not that. But most people undervalue and underutilize the power of questions. And when you really nail that and can embrace questions, then you feel more powerful. And then you can go out and ask questions, not interrogate, but ask questions in the right way, use elicitation techniques to get information from people. And and then, then you know what you're stepping into. And then you know more about you know your next step in in that um, particular path yeah I think that's very true I think so many of us go in being prepared to answer questions but we are light on in terms of the questions we ask and it's it's a two-way street the same as a relationship a business uh, going into an employment environment or in a business partnership environment or a relationship it's kind of the same it's I need to I need to be chosen but I need to choose too and I need to choose powerfully it's the same as dating. I do a lot of work in, in uh, with singles in the dating world, and and uh, a lot of people go into dating and think, oh, and particularly women do this. I like I like him. Is he going to choose me? Does he choose me? I, I want to be chosen. It's like Are you choosing him. Yeah, yeah and it, it, when you can change that mindset, and you're actually going in feeling more whole, and uh, it's the same no matter what you're going for, dating, relationship, job, feeling kind of complete, and knowing what you've got to offer. And, and being able to sort of step into your power that way, then the whole game changes. Yeah, great advice. Mm. Oh, Billy, it's been fantastic having you on. There's definitely a part two and even a part three to this conversation. Big topic. Um, yeah, no, fascinating. There's so many aspects to it. Um, for our listeners, you can find more information on Ellie and where to follow her in the show notes. Um, Ellie, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. See you next time. For more information about Every Step and our guests, head to everysteppodcast.com. To be notified of new podcasts, please subscribe via your favourite listening platform. And of course, follow us on social media and direct message us to share your ideas about guests or topics.